Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to How to Cope. Every episode, writer Becky Howard, that's me, and my friend psychotherapist Lucy Clyde will be talking about how we can look after our mental health during the coronavirus crisis and beyond. Because whatever type of pandemic you're having, it's hard on all of us. So let's try and get through it the best way we can by talking. This week, we're talking to travel writer Anna Hart. Hello, Becky. How are you? Hi. Festive? No. Are you? No. Are you not festive yet? I thought everyone was festive now. I'm thinking about I'm okay, I'm contemplating getting festive. I'm on I'm on the you know, the slow approach to to, to festive, but I'm not quite there yet. Yeah. Actually, I'm quite a fan. I have been spotting um rounded about the local area quite a few houses that have gone all out for Christmas already. Um and it's lovely. It's actually quite cheering. It, it actually is, does it? make a difference when you see a house lit up like the Blackwall Illuminations <laughs> and you think all that effort and it's worth it. Yeah, I, I do have lights around my door and I have invested in a timer. So they go on at certain times and come off at certain times. So I have I've made a start. But is that not I've, just a light that turns well, on no, in the living no, room? <laughs> The light. I'm just turning the lights on, Becky. That's me doing <laughs> Christmas this year. Like, that's as far as I'm prepared to extend myself. <laughs> no, it's a little bit. There are fairy lights. They're very pretty. They go around the front door. Oh, okay. So I am. I'm. I'm doing something, and I know it is nice. It's. It's a lovely thing when people, when people make make the big efforts. I will drag you kicking and screaming into the Christmas spirit if it's the last <laughs> thing I do for 2020. <laughs> you may have to. Well, yeah. if it does, if you're not feeling festive, you will mm. feel. You will feel wanderlust, I think, today, because we are talking to um, travel writer Anna Hart. Mm. And I think that's going to be a really exciting, inspiring chat because, well, obviously, she's a travel expert. She's written for Stylist, The Telegraph, I mean, literally everybody mm. you can think of about travel. She's also written a book um, called Departures. And she has written recently all about kind of link between how much travel impacts our mental health and how it's you know it's totally fine it's totally okay if we're feeling a bit gloomy by the because we haven't been able to travel yeah because this idea that if you're upset by that then you're in somehow a bit spoiled isn't there mm. 
going around. And look, she and is. here she is. Hello. Hi. How nice to see you both. Nice <laughs> Lovely to see, to see you. you. We were just literally chatting about you. So where are you right now, Anna? I'm, I'm in Margate, which is where, where I live. It looks very nice. I do like your sofa. The, the, the sofa has had a lot more love than in previous years. <laughs> <laughs> what with you having spent a bit more time on it recently yeah. than you might have otherwise wanted to. So Anna, thank you so much for talking to us today. Um, we were, we've been um, talking to different people throughout this series about their experience of the pandemic and also pe- very much reframed through what they do and how it's affected because obviously for some people their jobs went nuts or or they found they were super super busy for other people it was the opposite um and it impacted every single one of us differently for sure um and obviously you're you write about travel that's what you know in the main I know you write about other issues as well but you're mainly known for your travel writing um you've published a very very good book that I am halfway through reading currently (laughs) departures which is brilliant. And I'm really interested um, as someone who writes about travel and is all about how we explore and find ourselves and how it enriches our lives, how this has impacted you both personally from, you know, the, the very fact that you couldn't travel mm-hmm. and also from re, maybe rethinking and reframing what, what travel means as a, as a thing to do. Yeah, I mean, in, in some ways, it sounds like a strange year to be a travel writer, um, but actually, I, I feel like it's probably the most interesting year to have been a travel writer that, that I've ever known. Um, travel suddenly became it became political. It became about social justice. It became about ethics. It became about mental health. It became about friendship, love, and bonding. It became it really widened out as a topic and. Actually, I mean, any good writer is really going in search of like the new or interesting concepts or changes. And so I know I, I actually I haven't been able to travel as much this year, but gosh, I mean, the world the world has been a different place. So there has been so much newness to process, but I actually don't feel starved of, of newness or discovery at, at all. That's interesting because yeah. presumably you, I mean, am I... I'm guessing, I don't know, um, have, have you been anywhere since March? <laughs> so in March, at the very start of March, I was in Austin um, and I was going to be covering South by Southwest. Uh, oh, yes. for, um, yeah. The Telegraph. And at that stage, my role at The Telegraph was, um, I wrote about sustainability. I was also their festivals correspondent. So I had set up this trip traveling across America by Amtrak train and it was, it was all set up. <laughs> I had hotel. Um, and actually, and if you remember, like South by Southwest was the first big international festival to, to be pulled. Um, mm. I was in Austin and that was that was huge. I, I knew then that this COVID-19 thing was, 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 was big. And at the start of March, there were still some people saying, oh, it's just a blip. It will be over in a couple of weeks. Some people saying, oh, they didn't believe in it. Um, but I did have to grasp quite quickly that, yes, that my the festival industry wasn't going to be the same again. The travel industry wasn't going to be the same again. And the media wasn't going to be the same again. Um, and, yeah, I was alone in this Airbnb deciding whether to come home or not and eventually got, you know, kind of spoke to my brother who's a doctor and really realized that I needed to get on a flight that day or or be prepared to stay there for a few months. 
if you can remember back then, that was when news just seemed to change every few hours. Like one minute you'd hear one thing, the next few hours you'd hear something else. And it was a pretty crazy time. But I, I do feel grateful that I, I did grasp it quite quickly, the realities of it. That, that's one thing I, I can say about myself. And I was like, mm. There was a lot of denial, collective yeah. denial, wasn't there? And I think that was, it was all tied up in the ways of how we were trying to process and cope with this, like you said, the news that kept changing hour by hour. So I think there was quite a lot of, from some quarters, people going, this, is, this isn't happening, this is fine, let's just carry on, carry on, carry on. But obviously yours was heightened by the fact that you had to make this very quick decision, didn't you, of, of where do you want to spend the next however long? Yeah. Do you want to be back home or do you want to be in the, in the States? I mean, that's quite an intense decision, isn't it? It certainly was. And I, I think I, I am grateful that I was forced, you know, it was like a real... <laughs> It was it was a short, sharp shock, but it did really force me to get all the information I could from 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 people I knew, including yeah, my brother and my mother who are doctors, and and really make it, make a decision. Um, initially, I was like, maybe you just stay in Austin, make a go of it, and then I just realised I was like, you you can't you know make friends in a city during lockdown. Um, <laughs> you can't report on a city in lockdown. Uh, there's and actually, what you need is is good friends around you and sensible, like sensible minds and brilliant women that are going to help you get through this total. And I think, and I think in the disaster, you know, or catastrophe, you know, the homing instinct is very, very strong, isn't it? We just want to be home. We want to be where things are known and we want to feel safe. And so how did you feel then? I mean, when, so, you know, you are, you're on the plane you're coming home you don't know when you're going to be able to leave home again the news is changing what how were you feeling what what was going on for you um, to be honest um, deciding where home was was one of the hardest decisions um okay. so I obviously I, ha- I bought a flat in Margate um a few years ago and I've always used that as my base but um for the last three years I've definitely been traveling for at least six months of that um time and so I was stuck I was like do you stay in Austin where you have an Airbnb for the next couple of months? Do you go to California where you have, my, my sister lives there and I have family and I spend a few months of the year out there. Um, do I go back to Belfast where I'm from and where my mum and dad are? And that, that was quite a strong impulse. Um, or do I go to London where I have like work colleagues and also family members and a, and a bed to stay in at my, my cousins. Um, and I, I really made the call of Margate because it's, it was, it felt like I could, be part of the community here like I felt like it is a small close community we have the beach at the end of the road and that's going to be vital at a time that actually I, I did realize this was a humanitarian and medical disaster but it was also going to be yeah. the biggest mental health challenge of our mm. lives. Do you feel now uh, many months down the line yeah. and having gone through the ups and downs of the last um, eight months do you feel that that was the right call for you? I do. I feel lucky to be in Margate every single day of my life. I mean, I know Austin sounds kind of glamorous and exciting, but actually, you know, being around people that you know, with with neighbours and friends on the same road that could drop around supplies while I was quarantining for those first two weeks, knowing that I've actually been able to be a bit of a support to people as well, you know, helping businesses with mm. PR strategies or whatever. Um, and yeah, having the Cedar Swim in, um, pretty much every day and the beach to walk on has felt like such a luxury so I I do feel very very grateful I mean in a way I'm so privileged to have had a few homes to choose from like some people don't have that but I think it is worth thinking that 
it's worth remembering that for ev- not not for everybody, like home isn't an obvious choice for everybody. Like, so mm. a few places, mm. they have places that they don't feel like home, but they, you know, is it where your family are? Is it where you own property? Is it where your work is? Is it where someone you love is? <laughs> Interesting thing to have to decide. When I realized that COVID was going to be more than just a two or three week blip, I did kind of mm. see the mental health implications. I just thought, we're all going to have complete job uncertainty. We're probably going to be incredibly anxious, you know, for for either friends or family or for ourselves. Um, There's going to, it's going to be a huge mental health marathon. (laughs) Well, this is definitely where, where this came out of, um, Mm, why we started it. Um, Because obviously we, we were going through it ourselves. We were going through those struggles with lockdown ourselves um as well as thinking about oh well this is hang on this is being played out in every household yeah. in the in the world it, more or less um you know in, in places most of the world where there's lockdowns you know it can't just be me who's finding this really fucking hard like it's yeah. everybody in different multiple different ways I mean what did you find obviously you, you like you said you were lucky in as much that you had to see the outdoors you know on your doorstep but what did you find particularly challenging about that first intense lockdown in the spring well I did I know a lot of people I hear quite a lot of surely journalism is is fine surely people are reading a lot during lockdown but Mm. actually obviously anyone within the industry knows that this has been a huge disaster for the media almost every major title has lost between 20 and 40 percent of their staff you know they've had to slash budgets a lot of publications don't even know if they're going to be printing their next magazine Um, and so realizing that yeah, I guess the the despair about my my job and an occupation that I loved um, was the hardest thing. And I did come home and thought, "Are you even a journalist anymore? Like, does that even exist? Um, mm. do you still work in the travel industry? Is is that gone too?" Um, and it took a few weeks. And actually, I did give myself um, a few weeks to to sort of away from pitching and so normally as a journalist half my week is spent pitching and I actually love that stage that is coming up with ideas you know finding leads and presenting them to different different editors at different magazines Mm. and I just took a break from it because I really thought I'm just not I'm actually not mentally equipped we are not able to process these events fast enough I think to produce Mm. great content and I, I really felt like I wasn't up to the job I thought you know what just hang back and rest and like when you've kind of like got to grips with what this is um then start coming back with ideas and and actually without wanting to be too critical there was a lot of content around that at that time that looked really inappropriate like a week or two later like really silly stuff like stuff about dodging regulations and (laughs) wearing and so I just didn't want to be part of that uh, no so I gave god him- no you really wouldn't that would be biting him on the bum now yeah. wouldn't it oh totally and there's a lot of people out there that now look so terrible but I yeah. think that's such that's such a good example right of how we just can't process things when they're unfolding in real time exactly. you know you need that gap you need that thinking space that reflective space and you actually need as much as anything you need that time to gather yourself because I think you know so many so many of us were sort of catapulted into this strange shock-like state 
yeah that did take a couple of weeks for us to go right okay <laughs> i think i I, th- I think i think i can do this now but it it was a it was a huge deal and for somebody like you where it sounds like your identity is so tied up in your job mm-hmm. to have your job yeah. questioned and your life suspended in that way can't have been, i mean it must have been very it must have been very difficult for you i mean it it was i i i'll i'll always remember i i kind of um formed a household with uh, with uh, my friend Roxy. So she moved in together because we're both two single girls that live around the corner from each other. Um, and we walked past, everything was closed in Margate, um, but we walked past a kebab shop that was open. And I just saw it as this beacon of like hope um, because my first, <laughs> job, my first job was working at a kebab shop called Abra Kebabra in Belfast. And I ah yes, yeah, yeah. 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 I, but I, I haven't had to quite get a job in a kebab shop again. But I did. Okay. I was really there. Like in my mind, I was like, "This, this might be the reality. This might be the future." Um, you can always. We were all forced to confront some really so, sort of. It's, it's just those kind of crazy, not crazy, but totally un unrealistic ideas that would never have crossed our mind six months before, one year before, and you're forced to suddenly think about. Could that be? Could that be something I, I need to do yeah. in order to get through this? Because um, I think you know you're you're absolutely right. Your industry and so where you are, it was the double whammy, wasn't it? It's the media mm-hmm. um, and travel, um, which by themselves have been pummeled by this. Yeah. Um, and ha- so, how did you? You know, ha- having to, I think you were obviously really sensible to give yourself that break. Of, of not putting yourself constantly out there and having to try and, and, and interpret it as you were going through it. Did you come to any kind of happier place with it or realisation about where you saw your role fit in as time went on a little bit? I, I did, actually. I um, I was supposed to be writing about travelling across America um, in a column for The Telegraph called Slow Motion, and that was really going to be about... Um, yeah, slow travel, covering festivals, a new model of like festivals correspondence that has a more sustainable um, ethos. Um, yeah. And I just thought that was gone. Like that was that was meant to start the week of South by Southwest, but I just thought that was gone. And then I woke up one morning in April and just thought, actually, we do still need to talk about sustainable travel in terms of like, in terms of rebuilding a travel industry um a better and fairer travel industry and also like navigating these next few months of lockdown and you know if you're a traveler at heart how you bring in a bit of an everyday adventure how you still kind of scratch that itch how you still look after your mental well-being when you can't travel internationally um and so i repitched the idea and they they went for it so actually i've been able to carry on writing slow motion same name um and it's got much more of a focus on mindful travel and it's obviously been about as i said navigating um the lockdown and um, bringing adventure into the everyday really achievable adventures um and that's actually been a real joy and sure it's a it's a slight change of direction but sustainability was my big focus I was 
doing it while writing about other things. Um, but this really sharpened my focus more. It's like, okay, we have to be talking about what sort of travel industry we want to see in the next few years. Um, you need to be providing really, really solid and useful advice for people that suddenly feel bereft because they can't fly to, to Portugal. Um, and it's actually been one of the most rewarding, like, creative times of, of my of my professional career. And I, I feel incredibly lucky to have had that column at, at such a fascinating time. Um, you know, like you said, you've been writing this column that you kind of pivoted, you know, your focus, but you were able to still make it about travel, but exploring it in a different way. Now, you wrote, I think it was part of that column, that the, the column about mental health and the link with travel. And yeah. you were kind of positing quite a strong um, position, which is it's totally acceptable to feel sad that we've missed traveling this year rather than feel like we shouldn't moan about it because there are bigger in quotes yeah. more serious issues to get upset about could you explain your your position on that a bit more yeah. I, I definitely felt um during the last lockdown that one of I mean there were lots of really heartening things about people coming together and neighbors getting to know each other but I did think that one of the ugliest things was people taking shots at other people for finding things difficult and whether that was somebody really missing their having their haircuts or like hating their roots and that depressing them or whether it was somebody really really missing a, a holiday or a gig anything or like their team sports um really you weren't you almost weren't allowed to complain about missing football mm. or the hairdressers or holidays without people piling on top of you and saying well don't you know there's like a pandemic on people are dying um and I just thought that was such an unhelpful response yeah. at a time when actually we we are all struggling and it's absolutely valid to say you know what I really relied on my winter sun holiday to like perk me up and get me through until oh. April um, and it's also totally valid if you if you cared about manicures or you cared about football and that was your thing it's all right to say you really miss it and it's affecting how you feel it doesn't mean you don't care about people dying and the NHS and there was and there was a, a tendency as well for people to go to prefix every um expression of unhappiness with I know I'm lucky but or, I know, you know so there was a lot yeah. of kind of like don't hurt me don't attack me don't yeah. attack me I'm about I'm very vulnerable don't attack me by saying look I'm really lucky I'm one I, I'm one of the lucky ones you know and, and there was a lot of preamble about how well I'm one of the lucky ones before somebody would say actually I'm really I was definitely guilty of that and I think you know, it was, I was also, too I was yeah but I think it was because for exactly that reason Anna, that, that we were all aware that there was this like really kind of angry judgmental atmosphere that would very quickly jump on you if it was felt that you were being I don't know ungrateful or moaning too much and and it it did feel that there was a hierarchy of things you were allowed to be upset about so you were yeah. allowed to be upset about missing a family member yeah and you were allowed to be upset about I don't know maybe uh, obviously things like losing your job if you lost your job, your job or yeah. serious things like that but you were not allowed to moan or be upset about 
like you said, oh, I haven't been able to go on my holiday or, yeah. you know, my hair looks like shit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, I was just really railing against the the, yeah. the voices kind of calling would-be travellers spoiled for being sad about missing their holidays. So actually, it's it is about mental health. It's about families bonding. It's about friends seeing each other. It's about, you know, inspiring yourself creatively, you know, exposing yourself to new tastes and smells and sights. And that is, those are really, really perfectly valid human urges. And to have to pretend you don't have them um, for fear of being kind of shot down and called ungrateful, I think is, I really think that that really did a lot of harm. Did you yeah. get good feedback to that piece? I did actually. I really did. I mean, there were definitely a couple of commentators that were like, "Talk about spoiled." <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> that was part of the whole did you not read the article? The article. So <laughs> um, oh. people, yeah, other people made really yeah nice points. Like, I mean, they also said if you know travel has kind of always been considered a bit of an unnecessary luxury to people who don't care about travel but they might care about football or they might care about something else about music and so yeah um yeah but I just I really do feel that this lockdown um I mean that article was a call for us all just to be much more kinder and compassionate to each other and accept that this is going to be really really hard on, on a lot of people and People are allowed to do whatever gets them through and they are allowed to miss whatever they really miss. And we really need to be able to talk about this. Yes, without uh, that, like, without that fear of, of being, you know, pilloried just yeah. for, just for, because what we, what people have decided is not valid enough. Yeah. Um, what did you find you missed the most about travel? Perhaps that surprised you? When I was travel editor at Stylist, I would travel pretty regularly, like almost every month. And then... Eventually, I started to look at my kind of carbon footprint. It just felt really unsustainable. It was pretty tiring as well. And it was a really exciting time. And I clocked up an awful lot of like contacts and information and experiences. And I'm really, really grateful for that time. But I had really moved away from doing that. And I would go and base myself in places for longer. And the places where I would base myself were places where I had friends or family. So I would aim to kind of spend two, two to three months in California at the start of the year. And my sister lives there with my little nephews and we are incredibly close. So I would really spend time with friends and family um, out, out in, in California. And then I would do a few other trips that I felt were really, really important and newsworthy, like you know, highlighting a kind of unsung destination or going to a hotel that was doing really pioneering stuff with sustainability or community outreach work. Um, so I was already choosing my trips quite carefully. Um, but that does mean that not having them has actually hurt even more because I was taking <laughs> oh, yeah. And so I, I very much miss, I, I miss the, I miss people. And right now the only places I want to travel to are places where I have people I love. Um, my mum and dad are in Ireland, which is obviously a flight away, which feels like it might as well be California because that is still going through yep. it to then go and stay with your parents that are in their late 60s so it doesn't feel particularly smart so yeah I've just really missed missed family um I mean of course I've also missed like the joy of travel like being somewhere new and being somewhere you know being excited by the new like throwing yourself into a different situation and seeing how you cope and the person you emerge at the end of it you know I I really adore travel um but I have to say like travel wouldn't feel particularly normal right now so I'm not 
missing. There's no part of me that is gutted that I didn't get to go to South by Southwest. Nobody got to go to South by Southwest. Was, Absolutely. Uh, I didn't break my collarbone and have to go home. Um, yeah. A <laughs> pandemic happened. It's the greatest catastrophe really of, of our time. And so I, it's, you can't really have FOMO when other people aren't doing the thing. So, no, that's definitely something that disappeared um especially in the first lockdown didn't it that um and it, i think it was written about that there was no fomo anymore yeah um and actually strangely liberating that is because yeah. whatever kind of fomo you tend to suffer from whether that's like you know being traveling or being at places or not you know feeling like you're not social enough or whatever that is it was quite something to think that well, nothing's happening. Nobody is nobody is doing anything that I think I should be at, or I'm sad that I'm not at, or I feel left out from. And that was that was another quite crazy thing to have to think about, wasn't it? Yeah. I think it's kind of such a such so revealing about how much we all a suffer from like I think everybody gets it, the, the FOMO thing. I mean everyone experiences it, but also just how much of a part of your life it can become and how much of your life is driven by it you know sometimes it's driven by FOMO rather than actually what do I really really want which I think is what's so interesting about your journey Anna from sort of you know your 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 professional journey into kind of thinking about what matters more to you what works more for you and how you've you've changed your working life into something that became very very personally significant and then of course only to find it completely ripped away from under your feet which must have been absolutely shattering I can't imagine because there's so much because you know as you're talking what I'm kind of there's so much of you in 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 your decisions and your professional life and about your changes of direction this is clearly really thought out really personal you know really meaningful to you aren't just being told to go somewhere going there right you know filing and coming home You, you know this is this is really really comes from a place that's central to you yeah I'm, I'm pleased that that comes across no, it's definitely true like I, I really I really do care about every article I write and everything is a really conscious decision um but I do suppose you know I, I this has been a real creative and professional challenge this year but I, I do actually feel more fulfilled and more relevant that, that, than ever you know writing a weekly column where I'm able to speak to to would-be travellers about how we can how we can get through this, you know, how we can look on the bright side, you know, what we kind of want to to build in the future. It's a real honour. Um, but I do think we'll travel differently in future. I think this will change how we travel forever. And I think we'll always, travel will be much more of a considered decision. In what way do you think? In what, so in what way will that, will that manifest itself, do you, in, in your opinion? So there's a few potential outcomes. I mean, if we do, if the vaccine does work and we're kind of, we actually feel confident um, traveling by next spring, uh, then the the travel industry will still be almost unrecognizable. We will have far fewer flight routes. Um, deals will be really different. There might be a bit of a push where things are really affordable for a short period of time, but ultimately they'll end up more expensive because the, the old business model has just fallen apart. Um, mm. But I think also something will have changed inside us and we'll think actually we, we want to prioritise people. Um, we want to go places for a bit longer. Um, our working lives probably look a little bit different as well and we might be able to stay places for longer because we can work a little bit there. 
Um, so hopefully some of us will have better work-life balance and be able to go go places for longer. But I think prices will be higher. Um, I think that we'll be looking at, we'll be much more interested in staycations or no-fly trips within Europe, I think with, with really renewed interest. Um, and a lot of these changes are, are pretty positive. Definitely. Yeah, it'd be good to think. It'd be really, I think, and I think it's really important to hold on to that, actually, as well, mm. is that there's, you know, this is awful. Um, and, you know, you wouldn't wish it on anybody ever, really, would you? But, you know, there may be, you know, there may there are opportunities within here to change things for the better and to rebuild in a new and kind of new and interesting way. And, I, you know, I think it can feel very important to have something like that to hold on to. Yeah, I think so. And I, I definitely feel like it's the job of, of journalists and, and podcasters and all communicators really to help people kind of process um, world events. And then also, yeah, just introduce people to ideas that, that might change their lives. Um, and right now our lives are really changing. So ideas like whether it's mental health intervention, whether it's yoga, whether it is sea swimming, whether it's a new way to travel, I think it's a really important time to be a, a journalist or a podcaster, a broadcaster, or just any form of communicator. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And talking talking things through that have have, have been that we've had to go through this year because it has been so complicated and so difficult at many different times in unexpected ways um I think sometimes sometimes it's been the only thing that's kept me going through the week is knowing that I'm going to be able to rant to Lucy <laughs> <laughs> at some point it's been so cathartic I can't forget it's so cathartic it really has it really, it really has. has it's just been such um, a fantasy saver yeah <laughs> um just to sort of think about uh, sort of finally that the whole thing about travel and mental health and obviously it's it's a really personal um uh, interpretation because obviously it means different things to different people like you said for, for some people it literally means escape and flopping on a beach for two weeks and just zoning out and for other people it's about discovering the new or in meeting different people experiencing different cultures um but how important do you think is the relationship between travel and mental health and then how has our appreciation of it changed this year do you think so i i suppose you know i've, I've um had various Kind of mental health challenges over the years and had issues with depression and anxiety pretty periodically since I was a, a young teen um, and for me a lot of that was seasonal um, it was particularly bad and to be fair I did live in Belfast and went to went to university in Glasgow <laughs> particularly well okay. and grey very rainy yeah <laughs> and but I would there were times when I ended up on antidepressants during the winter months um, and I just realized that if I did manage to get away for a chunk of time um, in the winter, I didn't have to go on antidepressants. I could stave it off. Um, so that really started me prioritizing travel as a mental health intervention. Um, I also believe in exercise. I think that's really important. But I think basically we all have our ways of coping and for some, travel will be really vital. Um, and for others, it will be exercise. It might be arts or culture. It could be, yeah, it could be a yoga practice, meditation. Um, but I, I do really want to fight the corner of people who rely on travel for mental well-being. It's, it's, it's not an indulgence. It, it is certainly a privilege, but so many things in life are. Um, and it is 
um it's the reason the travel industry exists is because is because holidays work they they do kind of restore us they inspire us mm. they kind of rebond us to our families and friends um, and being without travel is a real loss to a lot of people and yeah. and do you think um as we all sort of go into the next year and and hopefully things start to change in terms of in terms of covid do you think we should or will be looking at travel differently oh absolutely i i really do i mean i am pretty optimistic uh that's just my nature but i do have to believe that you know I mean, travel had become unsustainable. It had become, you know, we really, really were, it had become like fast fashion. It just was not a particularly healthy industry. Um, and we'd really lost sight of it being a, a privilege and a treat. And we'd, we would kind of get a bit dazzled by deals rather than making very conscious decisions about where we stay and how we spend our money. Um, and when I used to write about sustainable travel, um, I sort of used to feel like I was just moaning about the future <laughs> um whereas now I'm really engaging with the present you know it feels like much more relevant to be discussing sustainable travel right now it feels like that the intervention has happened um I, I'm not saying I, I I'm grateful for it I, I, I wouldn't say that at all I think there's going to be an awful lot of hardship but I do I do have to believe that in a few years we might look around and think you know what like the travel landscape that we've got right now is pretty is pretty peachy. We're happy with this. We we enjoy our trips. It's actually a bit better than it used to be, um, and I'm clinging to that that hope. I, I don't know if it'll be immediate, but I'm really really hopeful that that's that's how things turn out. That sounds great. I'm I'm there. I'm there. You've sold it to me. I'm like, okay, great. This is this is all going to be fine. I feel very much more optimistic between that and but but between now and then, I really love this idea of kind of the achievable adventures. Yeah, that's such a great idea. It's. I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying just like having to like be like, okay, I've I've got Margate. This is what I've got. This is my world. (laughs) How can I kind of scratch the adventure itch and how, how can I meet new yeah. people and how can I still discover things and how can I still you know produce engaging travel writing for you know for, for the whole you're right season. yeah and I also think it's so great in terms of kind of you know people's mental health as well this sort of you know because we do need to shake things up a bit we do need novelty you know we do need to, yeah. stasis you know getting stuck in a rut is very bad for everybody it just doesn't work for anybody ever um and you know the idea of kind of an achievable adventure is such a sort of simple neat little kind of coping strategy if you like you know it's just a mm. great way of changing things of keep you know of keeping yourself going and of you know of it, it, it being possible good I'm really pleased I yeah I, I'm I'm ex- I'm genuinely excited about, about this new direction it, it took me it took me a good few weeks uh, in March when, when I was a bit flattened and just thought everything's gone <laughs> but- everything's yeah oh god exactly exactly but yeah. I think I think it's a it's a nice thing to hold on to and I think you're on you are on something you know this is the industry you know very very well and you could see where things weren't as great as they should be and and in a weird way it might end up long term somewhere better than it was and I think that's definitely worth holding on to because I think having good just good, some good positive long-term thoughts yeah. is really valuable right now especially when you know the immediacy the short term can sometimes feel a bit bleak so thank you oh no well I'm, I'm really pleased I hope, I hope this is a kind of uplifting message I 
I do believe in kind of like long-term positivity, but also quite short-term you know, realism that this might be tough and we've really got to look after ourselves and the people around us and find joy wherever we can. Yeah, exactly. We've all, yeah. we've all had to make the most of where yeah, we live we really um, and discover some sort of little local gems where we can. Mm. Um, all right, Anna, thank you so much for speaking to us. Oh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. It's been great. It's Thank been you. fantastic. And I love I love finding out uh, people's sort of individual experiences, you know, throughout this. Um, there has always been such common ground, isn't there? But then there's always something, I always find there's something new to learn from from everybody. Absolutely. And I do, I really love what you're doing. I just think getting everyone to talk about it and, you know, even just acknowledging the fact that it it's okay to not feel like you're coping because... This is the biggest thing we've ever had to cope with. It is. I know. <laughs> yeah. You're um, right. Lovely to speak to you. Thank you. Bye. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to How to Cope with Becky Howard and Lucy Clyde. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review, like and subscribe. It makes a huge difference and we really appreciate it. The music is Cold Funk by Kevin McLeod and used under a Creative Commons licence. You can follow us on Twitter too at cope underscore podcast. Thanks again and check in soon for the next episode of How to Cope. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.